Welcome to the Wisdom School, a private podcast by the Perennial Leader Project. I find it fascinating when you go through meditations and you see the number of quotations from Heraclitus. Yeah. Just this idea around change. How much do you think that really influences his philosophy and in, in psychology of maybe how he's how he's viewing totally. the world? It's his second favorite philosopher, right? Um, the uh, he tells us that first of all, in terms of the volume of quotations, um, it, we don't know for sure. It's kind of hard to attribute some of the quotes, but it looks like Marcus mainly quotes Epictetus, and then a close second is Heraclitus. So it seemed like his two favorite philosophers. Now Heraclitus. Uh, was always a favourite of the Stoics. Cleanthes, the second head of the Stoic school, wrote several volumes about him, and so I think did one of his students, if I remember rightly. Epictetus mentions in passing that he considers Heraclitus to be like a kind of neo-sage up there with uh, Socrates and Diogenes the Cynic, although he doesn't say that much more about him, at least in the discourses that survive. Um, but it's quite plausible that the Stoics had read earlier texts by some of the founders of the school about Heraclitus. In fact, the quotes that we have in Marcus Aurelius from Heraclitus, what we have to consider sometimes is where is he reading that? Is he reading Heraclitus's On Nature? Or is he reading other books that quote it, which is perhaps more likely? So it may be that Marcus is getting those quotes from Cleanthes or from another Stoic text Right, which would make the whole thing kind of hang together a lot more. There's also a passage where Marcus says that the essence of his philosophy consists in this slogan, um, which is um, the universe is change, life is opinion. Um, so he condenses so there's six words in Greek. Um, so he condenses his philosophy down to these six words, and he explains to he says quite explicitly that the life is opinion part refers to this doctrine of Epictetus, that um, it's not things that upset us, but rather our opinions about them. So he means by life is opinion, not that everything is subjective. He would have disagreed with that, but that the quality of our life emotionally is shaped by the value judgments that we hold. That's the Stoic doctrine that he's referring to. And then everything, uh, the universe has changed, is the uh, Pantarei, uh, doctrine of uh, Heraclitus, the, the doctrine of flux. Um, there's also a text, a weird text, by Justin Martyr, the Christian martyr, um, where it's the one, by the way, where he calls Marcus Aurelius Verissimus. So we know mm. that this was a nickname he had as a child, but we also can see that he was still known by that name as an adult. Like So Marcus Aurelius... That sometimes you'll see this BS like online where people say maybe Marcus Aurelius wasn't really known as a philosopher or maybe he wasn't a Stoic. Marcus Aurelius was famous as a Stoic philosopher in his lifetime, for goodness sakes. Like that's that's one of the silliest things I've ever seen on people try to debate online. So Justin Martyr calls him Verismus the philosopher in this official uh, letter addressing him. Like, he was famous um, as a philosopher. Um, And in it, he talks a lot. Justin Martyr had studied Stoicism, uh, and he was critical of the Stoics. But at one point, he calls uh, Heraclitus a Stoic, 
uh, which is really weird. Now, it could be that he's referring to a Stoic writer who happened to be called Heraclitus, but there's some evidence in the text that he's actually referring to the pre-Socratic. Um, and what he maybe means by that is this guy's kind of an honorary Stoic. Like, sure, he's a precursor of the Stoics, but the Stoics are so closely aligned with him, like that he we may as well consider him part of the same philosophical tradition. That's I we don't know for sure that that's what's meant, but it could be the case that Heraclitus was perceived as part of the Stoic. Uh, tradition. And so this doctrine uh, to come back to your question the the doctrine of flux, it's like the Buddhist doctrine of um, uh, Anichavada, uh, of impermanence Um, except incidentally the the earliest Buddhist scriptures we have referring to that are 1st century AD or something like that Um, Mm. you know whereas uh, Heraclitus uh, is what sixth century BC or whatever, um, you know, far far earlier. It's quite. It's, here's another idea to rock the apple cart. It, it's not implausible that the Buddhists got this idea from the Greeks. Like, you know, it, it's quite plausible in fact. Um, for all we know, some people would like to think it might be the other way round, but it's possible that this doctrine originated in uh, in the Greek speaking world, uh, probably in the Middle East. And, uh, and perhaps travelled from there to, to India, uh, possibly. But this is central to Stoicism. Marx really goes on and on about it. He makes it the centrepiece of his philosophy. If you're asking, you know, would this influence his psychology uh, and the way he conducted himself as emperor, I find it inconceivable that it wouldn't. Um, in the same way that, you know, uh, a, a devout Christian um, somehow their life must be shaped and their actions must be shaped and their politics must be shaped by their religious uh, beliefs if they're sincere. Uh, You know, Marcus, one of his main contemplations that he repeats multiple times in the meditations is actually to meditate on deceased Roman emperors. Um, He even says at one point that when he looks at his own image, which wouldn't be difficult... Because Fronto tells us there are images of Marcus Aurelius everywhere in the Empire. He says some of them are not very good likenesses. He complains about it a bit. But he says they're all over the place, like in all the shops. Like Everybody at Rome has got a, a, like a picture of the Emperor. Um, so he was surrounded by statues and paintings of himself. And he says that when he lo- looks at his own image, he should think of deceased emperors from previous ages. So Memento Mori. Um, so he was his contemplation of impermanence was very much focused on his position as emperor Um, he talks about the only time he mentions Hadrian his adoptive grandfather is to say do you remember that old dead guy you know remember what a big deal Hadrian was Marcus Aurelius thought do you remember what a big deal Hadrian was a huge figure like a huge character of a man, um, an unforgettable character, like a complex, multifaceted, um, larger-than-life figure. But Marcus, when he's writing the meditations, knows military officers that have only ever seen statues of Hadrian and read about him in history books. How weird is that? So these guys would all be talking about Hadrian, and Marcus would think, you've, you, you've never met him. 
Like, you see statues of him. I went boar hunting with him. I lived in his house for a while. <laughs> like, and now he's a character in history books. How weird is that? But Marcus uses that as a memento mori. That's his meditation. He's like, one day, pretty soon, I'm just going to be a statue in a, a chapter in a history book.